we have to do something about the very rules of the game. Welcome to Ready, Set, Gov, the Better Government Association's podcast. Give us 20 minutes and we'll give you the past, present, and potential future for a crucial issue for the people of Illinois. From Rockford to Rogers Park, Knoxville to Carbondale, our goal is to empower you with the best nonpartisan, politics-free information so you can connect with your democracy with confidence. I'm Madeline Dubeck, Director of Policy and Civic Engagement at the Better Government Association, and I'm joined by John Updike, the president of Open Primaries, a New York-based nonprofit with a mission of advocating for open and nonpartisan primary systems. John's an activist and strategist with more than 25 years of experience working in independent alternative and reform politics. He is one of the country's most visible and vocal advocates for primary reform, And John also has roots in Illinois, having grown up in Evanston. Welcome, John, to Ready, Set, Gov. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, John, um, you and I connected because we uh, in Illinois have one of the earlier primaries around the country. And every time we do, we hear from people all over the place who get really bothered by the fact that they have to walk into a polling place and ask an election judge for either a Democratic ballot or a Republican ballot at primary time. And your organization is about changing all that. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. The issue of how the primaries are conducted has gone from a very esoteric and marginal issue to quite part of the the mainstream political conversation uh, in Illinois and around the country, because people are starting to realize that the rules of how primaries are conducted are very distortive of the, the, the goals and desires of the American people to elect representatives who can move the country forward and go up against the the ingrained partisanship that just seems to be running our our country into the ground. So people in in Illinois has had a very um, problematic primary system for many, many years. But for the first time in a long time, people are starting to question it and write and talk about the ways in which the rules of the system are contributing negatively to the political culture in Springfield and in Washington. So open primaries is kind of an effort that's bringing together the voter empowerment movement of independence with people looking to bring some flexibility and some accountability back to the legislative process. And we're, we're working on molding those two things together. Okay. And so are there particular states that you're focusing on at the moment? There's activity, I'd say right now, at different stages in about 15 or 20 states. That can range from you know an activist group beginning to write editorials and uh, state legislators introducing a bill to... Um, a full-blown campaign in Florida, which we just concluded unsuccessfully to get the Constitution Revision Commission to put a referendum on the ballot. They ultimately decided not to, despite polling that shows 74% of Floridians want to move to an open primary system. Hmm. So there's, there's, there's a lot of momentum, there's a lot of activity, and yet this movement is still very underdeveloped, very young, and the, the opposition comes from both political parties. It's mm-hmm. one of the few issues in the country where the Democrats and Republicans agree. join forces. <laughs> and yeah, they agree and they say, hey, we might fight like cats and dogs, but when it comes to protecting our control of the system, we're united in that. And ultimately, the, the Democrats and Republicans might have 
programmatic and ideological differences, but they absolutely both agree that they are the gatekeepers and that open primaries threatens the role that the parties play as the gatekeepers to American politics. And that's why I like working on the issue. Yeah. So how do uh, independent voters who already feel kind of disenfranchised fight that? It's it's challenging. And, you know, the, the independents are are going through, I think, a wonderful growth spurt right now. Independents are creating different groups and organizations and trying out new tactics, um, whether that's running independent candidates or building independent voter associations. That's happening all over the country at the grassroots level. We're you know, forming alliances with Democrats and Republicans who are interested in shaking up uh, the the orthodoxies in both parties. So how do you, what's uh, open primaries short-term strategy and long-term strategy? Short-term strategy, we're planting a lot of seeds. There's dozens of states who are having primaries in the next three weeks to three months, and we will be uh, messaging and doing outreach in every one of those states, inviting people to become part of the national movement, to form local clubs and local groups, to start working with legislators to introduce bills. Even though those bills are not going to pass, legislation can be a very helpful organizing tool to start building visibility and building a coalition. We're looking to partner with other political reform organizations and other issues at the state level. And we're participating vigorously in a national conversation that roughly can best be described as how do we unrig the political system? Mm -hmm. I've been doing this work for 25 years. I've been involved since I was in college in election reform and, you know, independent efforts. And in the last 18 months, the last 12 months, there has been an absolute deluge, a flood of new voices, new leaders, new organizations, new funders, people that are saying, okay, we have to do something about not just who's sitting in the White House or who's sitting in Congress, but the very rules of the game. And people are coming in with all kinds of ideas and strategies and tactics. And at open primaries, we recognize that we don't want to work in a bubble we don't want to work under, you know, just on our one little issue. We want to be part of growing the totality of the of the reform movement because we don't know what will work. So even as we're doing these very short-term, very specific tactics, we're really focused on building a lot of relationships and having conversations within the movement of how do we how do we take this on because it's very hard work. Okay, so you were raised in Illinois. Yeah. And you know that there's a long, long history of um, entrenched political power and a reputation for corruption here. Several of our governors recently have been convicted and sent to federal prison. People tend to sometimes forget that there are other ways to do things. So give us a quick snapshot of some of the different possible ways to run a primary. Well, I'd like to talk about California. Because California, in many ways, looked like Illinois for a long time. They had uh, the, the highest incumbency return rate in the country. Only two politicians in the entire state were thrown out of office between the year 2000 and 2010. They used to have a, a closed partisan primary, gerrymandered districts. The, the, the state couldn't pass a budget. 
Business was fleeing the state. It was it was the, the level of political dysfunction was through the roof. The voters were outraged and a movement was born and they passed two crucial reforms. They enacted a top two nonpartisan open primary. What, and they got, let me stop you there. What does that yeah, mean? Okay, so on primary day in California, unlike in, in Illinois and in most states, there's not a Democratic primary mm-hmm. and there's not a Republican primary. There's a public primary. So all the candidates for each office appear on one ballot and all the voters can participate and voters choose. And then the top two candidates go on to the November election, regardless of party. So the parties no longer control the primary. The voters control the primary and you end up with much higher uh, rates of competition in liberal areas of San Francisco or Marin County. You might end up with two Democrats facing off in November, or a Green Party candidate and a Democrat. In some of the conservative part of the states, you might end up with two Republicans facing off, or a Republican and a Libertarian. And what you end up with is legislators who are accountable to all of their constituents, because to get elected, they had to face a open primary where they could campaign to all the voters, not just members of their own party. And then in the general election, It's one of the dirty little secrets of American politics that 50 percent of November races uh, at the legislative level, uh, the candidates run unopposed. Mm -hmm. You know, so you get rid of that in California. You get rid of gerrymandered districts. And now California, the approval rating has gone from 14 percent to 42 percent. They're passing bills. They pass cap and trade legislation. They pass a budget on time. They even they even enacted gun control in California. And what you see is that voter turnout has gone up. Competition has gone up. The 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 size of the black and Latino caucuses have has doubled. Uh, the number of minorities running for office has doubled. You get all kinds of new avenues of participation because the fix isn't in. Everything hasn't been predetermined. And so that to me is, is a very effective way to run a primary is actually to say, hey, Democrats, hey, Republicans, you guys aren't going to control the primary. The public is going to control the primary. Uh, after all, it is paid for with our tax dollars. People power. People power. Exactly. Three years ago, your organization uh, took a look at things and did a survey in Illinois. What did that show you and how do we inject some of that openness into Illinois? Well, the voters overwhelmingly favor an open system. You know, you talk to voters, whether they're in Illinois or Pennsylvania or New Mexico, you talk to Democrats, you talk to Republicans, you talk to independents, and you say to them, do you think everybody should be able to vote in every election? And 70% of them say, yes, that's just kind of a basic American fairness issue. The challenge is translating that general support into changing the law. And I will be the first one to tell you that road from general support to law change is a treacherous and long and difficult road mm-hmm. because the and we've seen this in campaign after campaign. One of the things that the parties are so good at is planting seeds of doubt. So they're good at saying, hey, this open primaries idea sounds good on paper. But and then they, this is what they say to Democrats. They say, but if we had an open system, maybe the Republicans would start gaming the system and getting conservatives elected in 
liberal areas. And then people are like, oh, no. And then they say, you know, downstate, they say, you know, if you had an open system, maybe you'd start getting some of these liberals elected here in, in Carbondale. And people go, oh, no. And they plant seeds of concern and doubt that, and both parties do this, that it's not really reform. It's about one party trying to gain advantage over the other. And when you've successfully framed it that way, it's doomed. And it's one of the things that makes this really hard is that the parties are both very unpopular. I mean, 40% of Americans now identify as independent. I mean, 50% of new 18-year-olds say, I don't want to be a part of any party. Congress has a 10% approval rating. The parties are very unpopular, but they're also extremely sophisticated and skilled at kind of playing lesser of two evils politics, of saying to people, yeah, I know you don't like us, but we're better than they are. Mm -hmm. That makes mobilizing voters to change the system all the more difficult. Looking to the future in Illinois, if you were talking to your family and friends here, what would you tell them they need to do to get something going for an open primary here? I tell you, it's, it's, it's hard. First of all, the rules regarding ballot referendum in Illinois are very difficult. We've seen this with the, the redistricting issue, the way it was you know, tossed right. off the ballot twice. The political machine is very sophisticated at preventing the voters from making these kind of changes. And our current legal read is that you couldn't put an open primaries referendum on the ballot in Illinois. It doesn't fall, fall within the definitions. We've had a bill introduced um, in the House. It's no longer there. The legislature is not at all interested in this issue. I mean, to say that a bill would go nowhere is an understatement. So I think the most effective thing that people can do is build, is create, is insist that Illinois politics be about more than the horse race, more about the fight between Rauner and Madigan, more than just simply which crook are we throwing out this year and replacing them with which crook? That there has to be some ongoing conversation about the system itself. And that's, you know, again, I don't know how you break through and get the law changed. It's so hard in Illinois. The system is just literally rigged against the people being able to change it. But I do know that if the people don't find a way to kind of continuously pressure the media, elected officials, members of Congress, good government groups, uh, civic groups, business groups to say, hey, we have to move this agenda forward. We're not going to be able to build the kind of critical mass to make the changes we need. And Illinois needs open primaries. It needs nonpartisan redistricting. I mean, the gerrymandering in Illinois is a, is a national disgrace. One of the interesting controversies about Illinois, which nobody knows about, and I think this is particularly relevant given the, the big data scandals, the Facebook scandals, mm -hmm. is that when you go to vote, in a primary in Illinois, unlike many states, that information of which party ballot you choose, that becomes not only public information, but that right. information is provided to, to the, the political, political parties. parties, free of charge, free of charge. And people say, oh, what's the big deal? Well, I don't know. If you're, if you're living in Cook County and you choose a Republican ballot for uh, you know, a, a local race, you better forget about if you're, if you're, up. <laughs> yeah, or you, or your, your company wants to bid on a contract or you want to forget it. That's public knowledge. You, you, you better not do that. Groups like yours can do such an important job of this, of just day in and day out, highlighting the fact that the political system 
in Illinois has been set up for the benefit of political insiders and partisans, not for the benefit of the people. And that's not an abstract issue. That's a pragmatic issue. I mean, that has a direct link to why the pensions are going bust and elected officials are unpopular and jobs are fleeing and the budget is unbalanced and the schools are crumbling. And these issues of political dysfunction are not ivory tower issues. They have everything to do with the struggle that's going on in Illinois on so many different levels in so many different communities. Takes My a lot message, of persistence and hard work and pressure. Well, John Updike from Open Primaries in New York, uh, you've given us a lot to think about. We appreciate your time. Thank you for being with us on Ready, Set, Gov. Yeah, and keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Gov, a production of the Better Government Association. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps people find this podcast. For more information about us, go to bettergov.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get future Ready, Set, Gov episodes. We put out a new one every few weeks and occasionally some special episodes. Our production team includes Madeline Dubeck, Rachel Levin, Anam Hather, Mia Sato, Starlin Matheny, and Patrick Judge, with audio production by Mix Kitchen.